Welcome to Alphabet Scoop, episode 127. As always, I'm joined by Kyle Bradshaw and Ben Schoen. Today is Google Store Week. I guess you can call it that. Um, Google officially took the laps off Google Store Chelsea, which is their first permanent retail location ever. It opens on Thursday, June 17th, 10 a.m. Eastern, and it's it works how you'd expect if Google made a store, if that if you've been following Google's whole homey aesthetic, uh, textures and fabrics and all that, this store is very much in line with their design language for hardware. What do you think of it compared to the uh, the pop-ups that they've done over the years? It's a, It seems to be a direct continuation, actually. Um, both the pop-ups and what they did at CES last time I definitely feel like this. They you use some of those, we reused some of those. Uh, Google says the lineage, the lineage directly dates back to those things they started in 2016, those pop-ups and those holiday stores. So everything when they started in 2016 was working to this permanent store. And it really did take a long time for them to accomplish it. There was that rumor that they were going to open one in Chicago first, or was that two years ago? But that never panned out. So it it definitely took them a very long time. Maybe it would have come sooner without uh, the last year being the last year, but it's here now. I don't know what you're talking about, Abner. 2020 was fine. <laughs> 2020 was fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's whole thing. Anyways, just jumping right into a brief overview of the store. It almost spans the narrow side of a New York City block, but it's pretty narrow in terms of when you come in. It's wide, but narrow. Um, just some highlights. There's Google is awfully proud of something it calls discovery boxes in the window. There are 18 of them. The outside is basically like a diorama. But the inside, there's this custom transparent LED screen that's vaguely 3D. So they basically put the real and actual product inside the box. But this, but there's a transparent screen, basically, showing uh, graphics and a story and that kind of thing. It's they're awfully proud of this concept, and it should be interesting to watch these change over the coming months. The crux of the store is a, well, it's just some of the big areas. There's a workshop slash theater, which is uh, comparable to what the Apple store has. And there's this here to help support this, is what they're calling it. And I guess this is... This, to start, this is one of the more interesting aspects of the store in terms that you can get help, support with all consumer products. Um, you can get same-day pixel repairs, which is going to be popular. And But the interesting thing, I think, is that you can get software help, consumer services, that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, that sort of thing, at least as far as just getting help, was usually limited to uh, Google One yeah. customers. Yeah. And you can try, you could, currently, you can try the chat or the forums, that kind of stuff. But I'm, I think Google is going to be really surprised how many, how much stuff they're going to hear from people. I would not be surprised whatsoever if people end up calling the store, the general store number, thinking they can get some support help here over the phone. Oh man, I can I can just feel the boomer energy. <laughs> yeah, and it's I don't know. I'm again it's in New York, but I can also totally see somebody coming in with a Google account help or some like login issues. That's they're going to be inundated with that. And I'm I think we'll talk more about it in a second, but the space isn't that big. It's not it's not an Apple, it's not even an Apple store in size. And I think that's going to really surprise people whenever they get the chance to visit. Yeah. I mean, it seems to have allowed them a lot of uh, freedom with uh, the imagination spaces though. Like the, the, or yeah, that, or, or, or what is that? The like huge glass thing that's just kind of sitting in the middle. Like it, it could be bigger and instead they chose to do this. Yeah. It's it's going to photograph very well this 17 foot circular glass structure with uh basically filled with screens. And it's yeah, it's it's just an exhibit basically. Um I don't know. It's going to be interesting. But like you said, it's not like a crucial support avenue um just honestly i would just really like to see them use that space for something that could only happen there like uh one suggestion i saw online was to use that uh that video calling uh that's three-dimensional starline yes Yes. if that would be cool demo i think solely would be a cool demo here like just do like take that same glass circle and put solely in there and do something with it i don't know what something yeah yeah and rounding out there's like a fake living room space a fake kitchen and the like basically the second biggest space there is for the hardware space where you can tables of pixels and fitbit watches um that kind of stuff i think for most people this is probably their first opportunity of using a pixelbook go oh yeah yeah that's a shame but yeah, it is. And finally, the last stretch, um, sandboxes. They have these dedicated rooms um, where you can try uh, experience the uh, nest living room. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually, this one's pretty cool in terms of there's fake windows that, that adjust uh, the lighting. It takes you to the cycle of the day. You can get a vid, uh, the door, a fake door will ring, and you get a video doorbell demo, that kind of stuff. The Pixel one is for a night site. You can take photos. It's a photo booth s thing. I think people want to like that. And lastly, there's a Stadia space. Yeah, this is a pretty big deal, honestly, just because, for one, it's, it's a permanent place that people can, or semi-permanent place that people can go and try Stadia and know that it's okay or better than okay. But it's also the first time that Stadia has been 
available in a retail store. Like some would say that you could, uh, or some would argue Best Buy, but Best Buy doesn't put Stadia controllers and Stadia accessories on the actual physical shelves. You had to order no. online for yeah. pickup. And even then, most of the time, your store didn't have pickup right away. You had to wait a couple days for it to ship in. So and this honestly, big deal. Yeah, and like in the case of Best Buy, I don't know how they're going to advertise game streaming services. Is the internet good enough to demo? Or do they end up doing like a fake local thing? That's a good I, question. I, yeah. I mean, there's, I don't there's, know, like, there's just a stadia box inside of the Chelsea campus that they're <laughs> hardwired to. <laughs> I'm sure Google's campus is fine. <laughs> But I don't know, Best Buy, I don't see how they do, well, basically it's Best Buy or, I don't know, GameStop, I guess. I don't know if they can guarantee fast enough connections for a good stadium experience. But not to mention, like, how do you, I imagine that these stores make some money on selling actual hardware, but I imagine they make their money on selling games, which for GameStop, they're never going to do because they want to make their money on used games. And Best Buy... Best Buy would just need some sort of ecosystem to, or some sort of something to be able to actually sell games, whether that's like a card that you buy mm-hmm. and then you go to stadia.com and redeem. I don't know. They would need something to be able to do that. Which I mean, in the long, in the long term, they will need to do a stadia card, like gift card at some point. Cause the Google play process is way too confusing. Um, but that's more, that's a, that's something that they wouldn't address until Stadia kind of makes it. And you can definitely make the argument that that has not happened yet. No, not at all. Yeah, and they had the vague excuse again of the past year of them not needing to think about like widespread Best Buy and GameStop presences. But in this case, they have to stop thinking about that. So yeah, that's like a beef overview of the store. It's... I guess the biggest question going in is whether this is a flagship experience store that will be available in like, I don't know, major cities, Los Angeles, London, Tokyo, that kind of thing. Or whether Google actually wants to go for one in every, in cities, in malls, that kind of thing. I'm from the preview you've had and when hearing Google talk about it, I just think that that they're really just experimenting right now and seeing how people take to it because I don't know what the plan is for more of these. Yeah, it's really tricky just because uh, like, there is an argument to be made that this could be a, a one-and-done, like a Nintendo store, or this could be the beginning. I mean, Apple has a pretty good... Uh, works as a baseline because some of their stores are far fancier than others which are just Mm. simple retail locations like i I can assure you that the uh, apple store in new orleans is nothing like the apple store that opened in what was that rome (laughs) yeah it's like a little different a little different i'm sure (laughs) yeah a little different to say maybe just a little just a little just just a little so yeah um there's that it would be neat if they just turned all of the Google Fiber locations into these stores. Yeah. Google Fiber has, what, 10, 15 cities? That, that's something to do. That's some place to start. 
and it could they have eleven. Google, eleven. They could obviously build a Google Fiber locate area for it. But yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, if the, if I haven't seen most of them, but I know the one in Charlotte is already split into two parts. You have a little public space where you can mess with. They already were showing off like some Google products in there. Like back when I went there, they had like the uh, Chromebook Pixel in there. Nice. Um, and then the other half was just like kind of like a meeting space almost. It would be so easy to just turn even just a room into a little made by Google store. Yeah. But uh, who knows? Oh, the Chromebook Pixel. I remember using that in the best buy probably it was so very odd and it felt expensive and audacious for the time i bought one used and loved every minute of it oh i literally had never heard of it until i started this job <laughs> the chromebook pixel that's that's google's hardware problems in a nutshell basically yeah in a nutshell so yeah Again, Google is really not commenting right now on whether they're going to build more. There's one possibility is definitely that they're going to wait and see the data before they do anything further, but I don't know. I'm sure they must have some, like, one more in early planning stages, or I honestly feel they are, if they go to expand, they're all going to look identical to this one. I don't know. I, f- I really don't feel like this can scale. No, no. Um, maybe, maybe like LA would be the next place. Yeah. Or they have a few offices, campuses yeah. there that can do this. But other than that, I, I, I can't see this in a mall. Definitely not as it is today. Like if it's going to be in a mall or just even like in a shopping area, it needs to be more like a, actual store yeah okay so like the tables for the pixels pixel phones and that that's pretty standard you see them in the carrier store but like the living room experience where you can sit down on a couch and play stadia and there's an actual chromecast with google tv remote that's like very done it's very loose i don't see any wires like securing like those living room spaces and that kind of thing. So I I'm sure, I guess they'll have a person monitoring that space all the time. But the scaling is just going to be an issue. I, I could see them having one of those experiences in any particular store, but not, you know, three or four of them like this NYC one does. Because, like, just do, like, one store or one experience, like, have the Stadia experience or the smart home experience or whatever it is that they're trying to sell at that given point in time. And then a couple months down the road, you swap that out for a new one. You've got a, a refreshed store and a reason to come back in and look at some things. I guess, like, like the way Google's phrasing this, that if this is a place for people to experience, to hands get hands-on experience and usage with their hardware. I wonder in the mix of like having people come in experience and having people actually buy products, what the split is. It's definitely not a 50-50 thing. Does Google actually think they're going to sell a lot of products from physical locations? Or is this, again, just something primarily an experience-driven thing and then people buy it where they buy it? I just don't know. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a start. It's a... 
curious, interesting start. So yeah, it opens tomorrow. If you do get the chance, uh, be sure to send us pictures. Tomorrow, based on when we're recording, by the time you hear this. Yes, that's very true. Uh, time delays and all that. So the other thing, we were just talking about Stadia, and Stadia had, in addition to announcing the uh, Chromecast Google TV slash Android TV support, that AT&T partnership, Ubisoft's plus international expansion. There were some games announced for Stadia at E3. And more specifically, it was Ubisoft announced a lot of games, a lot of which are coming to Stadia. And that was pretty much it. Yeah, was, there was one, I think you mentioned there, there was one game. Yeah, was so Ubisoft, but. at E3, we had Ubisoft and they did Rainbow Six, Six Extraction, Just Dance, and the new Avatar game are all brand new games that are were announced at the event that are coming to Stadia. The only other one was a game called Instinction. It is a uh, dinosaur themed game uh looks really interesting and it's set to come out in 2022 and they have said that they are they are planning to launch it on stadia they are not like confirming yes this is a hundred percent happening but they are saying this is their plan and they're putting stadia and nintendo switch in the same bucket for that which doesn't Um, make any sense well, I'm, I'm assuming I'm assuming the Nintendo Switch part is that they don't know if it can graphically handle it because it's a very very graphically intense game from what I've seen. Um, but the Stadia release is the Stadia community. I don't know what triggered it, but they just got uh, obsessed with this game for like a week and kept basically borderline harassing the developers about it. And they said, "Yes, we are going to consider it." And ever since then, they've just been continually saying that yes this is something we are planning to do so hopefully it will happen because uh, it does look interesting and i like the concepts the only other things announced were uh a overhaul to one of stadia's first exclusives get packed it's getting uh more than an expansion but not a sequel is what the developer said uh that will come out next month, uh, and it will also be launched on other platforms, so it won't be exclusive anymore. Uh, and the Square Enix Avengers game is getting a Black Panther expansion, and that was that was it for Stadia D three, including some notable snubs like the Guardians of the Galaxy game, which mm-hmm. is probably built very similarly to the uh, Marvel's Ventures game, at least in in terms of engine, and yet is not getting a Stadia port. Yeah, and they they also just said, I think last night, directly that they are not currently considering Stadia for a release, which is very telling. Because Avengers was a pretty big flop, like, everywhere. But it's yeah. pretty telling. It's pretty telling that if they're not considering Guardians for Stadia, it means that the Stadia port of Avengers was nothing for them. You just have to interject with Avengers. They did not look like the people. Oh, they're not I supposed to. I know, I yeah, I know the in-game reason, but they should have gotten the rights to make them look like the people. Eh. I, I I see where they were coming from by doing that, though, because they're they're trying to, for one, that would have been obnoxiously expensive. Like that is rights to actual people, and that is a lot of people to get the rights to. But beyond that, it's it's 
trying to bring an interest into the comic books too by like showing a different side of things and they were able to tell a story that isn't part of the MCU by not using MCU characters uh, I guess the thing to consider is that if Kevin Feige wanted to actually do this he would be the one in charge of making a video game an MCU video game so I guess that's why Anyways, that digression aside, so um, Stadia is more than a year old, to say the least. It's it's had some time. Maybe it's not established, but it definitely has had some time. What is the state of it if this is what they got, got announced at E3? Not great, especially because earlier this year they shut down Stadia Games and Entertainment. And, you know, it's it's fine to not have a huge presence at E3 if you have your own first party stuff. Uh, so, yeah, Nintendo and Sony, for example, Sony more importantly, because they don't really have much of a presence at E3. Um, but if you're publicly saying, hey, we are 100 percent on third party games, that's going to be our focus going forward. You kind of need to show up at the biggest gaming event where all of these third-party games are announced. Otherwise, it raises the question of how committed are you really? Which is the whole question that's been going around for the past four months. So these recent snubs, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, there isn't the implication was there isn't enough interest in the Avengers game. But is Google like not paying enough? Is Google, have they reneged on their old strategy, previous strategy, like definitely paying people to get games on? Or what is happening here? Well, it's, it's very possible that they're just not announcing it yet. Cause we've seen that in a few cases. Uh, Resident Evil comes to mind. That game was announced for every other platform well beforehand. Uh, but Stadia did not announce it was coming until what, like a month and a half beforehand, something like that. Um, yeah. Which is just, it's not enough time. People, if you're going to establish yourself as a platform, you need to be there as soon as you possibly can. And waiting until the last minute is not a way to do that because people are going to pre-order it elsewhere or buy consoles to play it where they know they can play it. So if they are, if they're going to commit to third party games and they want people to play the third party games on their service, they need to say, this game is coming to our service just like everyone else's. So I can, I'd like to make some counterpoints here. Go for it. Uh, so on the first point, it, it's, this is one of the weakest e3s we've had in years for obvious reasons you know like no no shame to the to the game uh game developers who have worked so hard but it's it we're we're coming up from a pandemic year there's no way that this could have been a great e3 it's not that big of a deal that stadia didn't have a presence like there there are no games that aren't microsoft exclusives that looked that interesting this year like that's Microsoft a good point. Has an incredible lineup uh, i i i'm blown away by what they're doing with game pass at, both in first party and third party games but the, it just wasn't really there for the third party games to, that would or could come to stadia 
But uh, beyond that, I feel like there's an opportunity for Stadia to skip E3, skip the noise, do their own event like a Stadia Connect, which I mean, I'm hopeful, but who knows? Do that a little bit down the line in in a show of Stadia is here in a way that hot high-end consoles, which are hard to obtain right now, is not. Well, I have to add, well, I, I just want to add to that. The, the, the thing that's changed, though, is that Stadia, I feel like that was a similar argument to last E3, I guess, or last time that happened. Anyway, the point is, is you can't really give Stadia the benefit of the doubt anymore that they're saving up their games and going oh, to yeah. do their own event or whatever. It, this, the benefit of the doubt isn't there anymore. And that if without that, E3 is back to the, the event, the stage of this E3 is back to like being a minor thing that every major game console needs to hit and like a minimum participation requirement almost. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And I guess the question is, uh, I know you just uh, offered one possible solution of Google hosting a Stadia Connect. But at this point, what is what is the answer to E3 being this E3 for Stadia or a lacking presence for Stadia? What is Google's comeback with that? It would have made sense as if they had announced a Stadia Connect during E3 and said, hey, it's like next week. But they're, they're not doing that, obviously. Hmm. So where are they on the count of uh, 100 games being targeted for this year? Uh, by my count, they are at 48 right now, which means they're if if the hundred is all they're doing, they're behind schedule. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they have more than a hundred. I'm sure they do. And the summer is kind of a low point as far as game releases go. So I, I would imagine that there's going to be a big, a somewhat of a boom in the fall. I do agree, but they have also had three weeks in the past month without a single new game. They've had one game in the past month. That is really bad. There's just, there's summer. no way. There, I know, but there's no... Their, their whole goal right now is porting older games to come to the service. That's like one of their big things right now. And... They've let a whole month go by with one game. That's really rough. No, there's no way to look at that where it's not a bad thing. Hmm. And again, uh, with those 100 games, you don't know how high profile they are or how, whether they're poor old versions, old games, or whether they're like genuine new stuff that people want. We, Google never broke that down. Yeah, I mean, there are people out there who are excited for 100 Days Winemaking Simulator. (laughs) They exist. I know they do. Yeah. So, yeah, that's E3. Though I I do see a show note says we have a Kyle Hades corner. I'm not sure. (laughs) Oh, no. (sighs) I just want to state for the record that Hades is coming to more platforms because it was previously only available on PC while it was in early access. And then when it launched to full, it hit switch. It is now getting a proper release on Xbox 
the Xbox Series and PlayStation 5. Still nothing for Stadia. Nothing. Urgh. So frustrated. I'm so frustrated. I've been I've been retweeting that every month. I've been like, put Hades on Stadia. Put Hades on Stadia. Put Hades on Stadia. No. Nothing. Mm. Well, that was shorter than I expected, but the pain. Yeah, I thought that was going to go up for like 10 minutes. Oh my god, I could, I could, believe me, it does not make any sense. Okay, well, here we go, okay, here we sense. go, let's do this. Look, let's take it is, as an example for why Stadia, why doesn't Stadia have this game? It is the game of the year for 2020. It was a, a, a game that people needed, a, a, a game of connection, of, of, of reaching out to, to make new friends and to reconnect with family members and to just fight through hard times relentlessly. It, it, it was a game that nobody knew that they needed, but wow, it was the game of the year 2020. Why is it not on Stadia? Where is Google? What is why is Google blowing like what, what was that like a hundred million dollars or some obnoxious amount of money trying to get Resident Evil onto Stadia? It's not worth it. Bring games that people I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm underestimating the, the the draw of Resident Evil, but bring the games that are relevant to the platform. Like Cyberpunk was a good grab, but I feel like they could have gotten Hades for less money than they paid for Cyberpunk and for less money that they paid for Resident Evil. The yeah, surely. Tar- targeted grabs. Uh, where Where is Fall Guys? Where is Among Us? Where I, I, is, uh, on that note, uh, where is, what is it called, Knockout City, that EA game yes, that's Knockout blowing City. up right now? Where is Battlefield? Which, I mean, yeah. that's expensive, but still. Like, where are these games that are that are sought after by the community? I don't, I don't understand. I really don't. There you go. There's your rant. There it is. That was only like two oh, minutes. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed. <sighs> yeah, we'll take it. So that's Stadia at E3. So this week, in other Made by Google News, we broke the story that there looks to be a new Pixel stand. Yes, Dylan and I worked very hard on this over the weekend. We found that Google's Dreamliner uh, Pixel Stand is getting succeeded by the Luxury Liner, which could just be a name, but we like to think that it's a fancy luxury accessory to match the fancy luxury Pixel 6. But the main difference that we were able to spot is that it has fans, which we think means that it's going to be able to charge your phone faster than you know the usual 10 watts that the uh, Pixel Stand can do today. So maybe something as nice as the OnePlus 50-watt charger, but probably not. Uh, I mean, I know there's some obnoxious wireless chargers out there that use, what is it, two, two batteries with two sets of key coils that we, it can, or key coils, whatever. Yeah, it's a lot of I don't think Google's going to go that far, but it is going to be, it, it's probably going to be faster than 10 watts. Yeah. Faster wireless charging. Okay. So the, I guess this is as good a time as any to do a retrospective on the original pixel stand. This is not worth $79. Right. Is it? I mean, I liked mine. 
Yeah, which is like $79 worth of value. I think it was worth it if you used it uh, to its full potential. Like if you just use it as a wireless charger, no, it is absolutely not worth it. Um, Cause you know, you can spend $79 and get one that works better with other devices or is made out of more premium materials. The uh, nomad base station stand comes to mind. It's a very nice charger. Um, or you could spend 20 bucks and get the same functionality just minus the assistant stuff that you might not even need. I know I've, I've used it just to test stuff. I've never actually cared about it. Yeah. And people have a Nesta. If they're really in the, if they bought a Pixel phone, there's a, a high chance you also have a Nesta and that you've probably put it in the bedroom, like they're supposed to in that ideal universe. Yeah. Especially with the second gen. I mean, it made a little bit more sense when the Pixel 3... It made a, a little yeah, bit more sense with the Pixel 3 just because it, it was one of the only chargers that could do 10-watt charging on the Pixel 3. And it made a little bit of sense, a little bit of sense on the Pixel 4 just because it held it at that fancy, at that nice angle that you could do the solely gestures with it. But, you you know, like Ben was saying, you could get a cheaper charger that holds your phone up at an angle. It... I liked it. I, I, I think I probably mostly bought it for, for one, it's the pixel stand and for two, because of the, uh, the sunrise clock or the sunrise alarm. But now that's a Google clock feature. So <laughs> diminish. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really just, they're not doing anything proprietary with it, which is the only thing that makes expensive wireless chargers worthwhile. Um, and even then, uh, you have the example of OnePlus, who makes a 50-watt wireless charger that costs $10 less. Yeah. yeah. So what's their excuse? It's Yeah, it's just an overpriced product, 100%. I mean, unless you buy it on Amazon, it's like 40 bucks last time I looked at it. Oh, yeah. If you could get it at a discount, it was worth it. Yeah, much better. I think yeah, I bought... You got like 50% off at Verizon? I want to say I bought either that deal or a similar one for my second one. I got one for really cheap. Mm. I paid retail for mine. Oops. Oh, I paid retail for the first one. Sorry. When I said my, when I said mine, what I meant was my two. Ah, no, that's no yeah. fun at all. No. <laughs> ah. So yeah, and another th- a minor thing about the Pixel Stand and how it puts up your phone in an ideal position. The speakers it only ever worked for the Pixel Three series in terms of. They were front firing. Everything else that came afterward was downward facing. Well, the Pixel 5 had that screen thing. Which is bad, so let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, it looks like Google is going to continue these features, these assistant features on the Pixel stand, right? On the new one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things that they're doing is um, if it detects the schmoogle fancy words, uh, it will spin down the fans as it were so that it can hear you better for whatever it is that you're trying to say to Google. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, that's nice. I don't know really what else it's going to do or what fanciness it'll have with the assistant. Uh, I mean, we know that those like a uh, guacamole, the, uh, what is it? Shortcuts or what voice shortcuts? Is that what it was called? I think that, might be a Pixel 6 only thing. And if that's the case, maybe that's integrated into the fan somehow too. 
And there's the bedtime mode, the fan spinning down when you enter that mode. Yeah, which I imagine is, is also tied into how fast it's charging, because like a lot of people have noted, you, if you're going to bed, you don't need fast charging. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and uh, oh, my favorite, though, is actually the Google Recorder integration that they just... Oh, yes. That they... Very curious. Wind it down. Another thing that we like saw, but we're not like confident in, I didn't put it in our post is uh, that there's a permission that they use. We, there's there, It can do like a dozen things. We don't know for sure what it is, but one thing that we're thinking is that if your phone is on the pixel stand and you answer a call, it automatically goes to speakerphone. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So Definitely see Google continue to iterate on those features. I'm curious if they, again, if they have any more surprises or having a wireless charger is just like a a standard thing to meet for the Pixel lineup, Pixel phone lineup. Absolutely. Like to, to, they need to have a full line of accessories, especially if this is going to be the year that Google reinvents the Pixel. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a Pixel uh, Pixel stand. As we were saying, we expected Pixel Six later this year. So the last thing we have to discuss about is Fuchsia on the Nest Hub uh, that we reported about all on Friday. Yeah, so uh, we finally got our hands on an actual Nest Hub running Fuchsia OS. We put them. We put. It's side-by-side side with one running the older Cast OS, Cast platform. And we just tried some things, see, just to see what was different, what was uh, new. There is nothing new. But uh, just to see where things are faster, too, especially. And in every test that we did, Fuchsia was either on par or faster than the Cast platform, which is honestly impressive when you think about it. Yeah, new life to pretty old hardware. In in most of the cases, though, it's not going to be noticeably faster, except in the reboot tests, which seem to be about 10 seconds faster. But considering how often smart devices reboot, that's really not relevant. That they reboot when you see them, of course. But yeah. Yeah, it's... And they Google never advertised any of these modest speed improvements. No, they're not. They're not advertising anything. To be honest with you, they're. This is a a a shadow drop. Hmm. So yeah. Um. What's the best way to know if your Nest Hub has been updated? Yeah. So the quickest way is to just open the Settings app in the Nest Hub, and go to About Device, and in there you'll see a new new bit of info called operating system version. If that's there, you are almost certainly running Fuchsia because cast OS does not show that today. And this should be the final cast OS base update for the original Nest Hub. So if that little bit of info is there, you're probably on Fuchsia. Hey, they're doing it silently and, uh, Honestly, it's moving much faster than I thought it would in terms of us getting it into our hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and steadily since then, I've, I've been seeing people get upgrades, but not 
that many people. But still, two is two is a double a double what we had it before. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. And that wraps up our podcast week. You can tune into Alphabet Scoop here every Thursday or Friday. You can find us on all your favorite podcasting platforms such as Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes. And you can even listen on our site at 95google.com if you wish. Thanks for tuning in as always. And thanks to Ben and Kyle for joining me. We'll see you all next week. Bye. See ya. Bye.